welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate. Today, we're talking to one of my good friends, Elena Eford. Elena is a registered dietitian, certified eating disorder dietitian, and board certified specialist in sports nutrition. She earned her degree from Virginia Tech, which is where we met, and is currently working as the lead dietitian at the Calm Clinic. Elena works using metabolic testing and body composition analysis results to help individuals towards their journey to eating disorder recovery or breaking the cycle of chronic fad dieting. She started a TikTok sharing her experience with clients and their metabolic testing with much success. Elena has started using social media as a platform to break the stigma with eating disorders and educate people on the toxic cycle diet culture can promote. Prior to her work at the Calm Clinic, Elena has worked in several settings, giving her excellent background in sports nutrition, eating disorders, weight management, and gastrointestinal complications. In her free time, Elena loves to explore new things with her husband, dog, and cheer on Virginia Tech football. Woo woo, go Hokies! She loves to travel both nationally and internationally any chance she gets and experience the food and people in new places. In this episode, Elena talks about how to eat for your metabolism, ways you can determine if it's working well, signs if it needs a little boost, and her best tips to support your metabolism. We also discuss common misconceptions about weight loss, weight gain, and how best to achieve sustainable, lifelong weight loss and weight management. Hint, it starts with a healthy metabolism. Elena is one of the most entertaining people I know, which if you don't believe me, go check out her Instagram or TikTok page. And it all comes from her passion to educate others and debunk common nutrition myths around health and wellness. Like all of our guests, her knowledge is rooted in science, but with a comedic twist. So get ready to not only learn a few things about your metabolism and weight management, but also be entertained along the way. Okay, everyone, we have a very special guest today. Um, My friend, Elena, we were just talking with our producer and probably sharing a bit too much because a lot of our time together was spent in college, probably mostly at bars, parties, also peeling lots of hard-boiled eggs for our community nutrition class. A lot more to that story. Um, But Elena, I'm so happy to have you on, and I can't wait for everyone to hear this episode. Thanks. I'm so excited to talk about this. Um, so today, Elena and I are really going to dive into your metabolism because that's really what um, she specializes in, especially where she works. But I want to first start off with Elena, if you can just tell everyone like a little bit about your story and how you got to this point in your career and really helping people, you know, not only help with their metabolism, but with eating disorders, um, and just people's insecurities around food as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it kind of all started because I love working with athletes and I still do. And that was kind of my first, that's what I fell in love with when it came to dietetics. And I wanted to go into that. And I interned in a couple couple of different places with athletes and realized that so many of them kind of overlapped in some sort of disordered eating in one way or another. And so then it just so happened that I applied to a job that was an eating disorder position and got it. And I was like, you know what? 
I'll do this and we'll see how it goes. And really kind of fell in love with this area of nutrition in the sense that yes, eating disorders are a specific diagnosis, but it goes so much into disordered eating and how just diets and diet culture and this obsession with food and exercise is so pervasive everywhere. So flash forward a little bit, my husband and I relocated and here I found this position that uses metabolic testing and body composition to really help people see that, right? So we can see how people's metabolism and how their body composition changes from these restrictive diets. And I mean, really, it just kind of all came full circle because now I'm working with eating disorders and athletes and people just trying to sort of heal from chronic fad dieting. And it's been super fascinating to learn how the body responds in that way and really figure out that even though maybe you thought that this was the best for your body in the moment because it was so restrictive or whatever it might be really impacted one thing or another. And so that's how I fell into this position and I've just loved it. I'm working in outpatient now doing exactly that metabolic testing, body composition with my clients and have learned a lot about the biochemistry of bodies really. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the stuff we get excited about. (laughs) Um, well, let's start with just for anyone listening, if they're not like, or, you know, they've heard the word metabolism a lot, but aren't really sure what it is. What is your metabolism and why is it such an important factor? So your metabolism is basically your body's furnace, right? So it's how your body burns calories. In the most basic sense, we sometimes equate equate it to logs on a fire. You put a lot of logs on a fire, that's your food. You're going to have a nice high flame, that's your metabolism and vice versa. There's a couple of things that make up metabolism. So there's, of course, how many calories your body needs just at rest to do absolutely nothing. And then you have to add for the fact that you're not in a coma and you're getting up and you're moving around and you're doing things. You have to add for any like formal exercise that you're doing. And there's a couple other compounding factors in there, but it's basically all of the energy and how your body is burning your fuel all day, every day. So how can someone, I know we're just talking about you guys use metabolic testing in your practice. What are ways, like if someone's at home, how could they know what their baseline calories should be for their metabolic rate? Or is there even just little indicators that they could tell about their own body if their metabolism's working well or not? So one of the big things is, well, let me say this. You can calculate your metabolic rate. There's plenty of calculators online. Yes, it's not going to give you a perfect answer, but it's close enough, right? Um, But ways that you can tell that your metabolism is doing what it should be is actually your hunger. (laughs) So you should feel hungry pretty consistently. And by consistently, I mean probably every couple of hours. If you're not feeling hungry and you're someone who's like, oh, well, I'm only ever hungry for dinner, that usually correlates to a low metabolic rate. Because if you think about it, your body is just not burning as much. So it's not sending you those signals. And so, yeah, hunger is the big one. Another one that people actually don't realize that would indicate that your metabolism is actually good is oddly enough, not craving things. And what I mean by that is like constantly craving carbs and sweets. 
usually that's also an indicator that metabolic rate would be low. So if you're not craving things, your metabolism is probably where it should be. I'm so glad you brought up the hunger piece of it too, because that's always like the first red flag to me when someone comes to me and they're like, yeah, I'm like not even hungry till 12 or one. And then I just kind of eat anyways. And I'm like, Oh, we got to get your metabolism going. And then usually for anyone listening, like a way to get that going is like, okay, we're going to actually start having breakfast or like, we're going to start eating. But that's exactly what Elena said. It's like, you, you want to think of your metabolism, like that fire and those logs are your food and you have to keep feeding it for it to keep burning and for it to keep burning fast enough. Cause if you go like long stretches without food, even throughout your day, right? Like what happens to a fire? It starts to dwindle and you don't want to get to dinner and that fire's dwindled. And then it's really not burning through those calories. So, um, can you just touch on a little bit, Elena, on why, like in terms of metabolism, why your exact calorie count doesn't matter so much, just that you're consuming enough calories. Mostly because our bodies aren't that precise. (laughs) That's the basic answer. But if you're consuming enough, your metabolism should stay nice and high. And even if you ate a little bit more or a little bit less, your metabolism is still kind of going to stay. It's really only the persistent low intake that would cause your metabolism to then really be impacted. And by impacted, I mean drop. Yeah, for sure. Um, What would you say then are your best tips to support your metabolism besides making sure you're eating enough? So plenty eating enough. (laughs) (laughs) One of the big things like you just mentioned is eating breakfast. So what I always say to people is let's say you ate dinner at, even if you ate late, you ate at 9 PM for whatever reason. If you don't eat again until noon the next day, that's a long time for your body to start slowing down, right? Yeah. So breakfast is really important. So that's a big one. Also keeping up protein. Now you don't have to be eating exorbitant amounts of protein. You don't have to be drinking all these shakes, but having a protein source pretty much every time that you eat with meals and snacks helps with that. And just in terms of timing, similar to what you said, eating regularly, eating every couple of hours. And if that shakes out to be a cup meals and a couple of snacks for you, that's great. If it shakes out to be a little bit different based on your schedule, but really not going those long stretches of time without eating. Now, of course, exercise helps. Everybody always asks that. So I'll just say, but only if you're eating enough to fuel your exercise. You don't want to ramp up your exercise a bunch and not be eating enough because then we're doing the opposite. (laughs) (laughs) So, and actually that leads into the next question or what are, what are some of the most common things you see that people are doing that are hurting their metabolism? Not eating enough, of course, (laughs) just total calories. Um, not eating in the early part of the day, far too often. I see people who either skip breakfast or eat a really small breakfast, eat a small lunch, and then they eat almost all their calories at the end of the day, not exercising or really just not doing strength training, like all cardio and no strength whatsoever. You do want to build that lean mass and how you do that is strength. Um, trying to think what else would really impact metabolism. Yeah. Mostly that just not eating consistently, not eating enough and 
doing all cardio, basically overtraining and under eating. Well, and I'm curious, Annalyn, on your thoughts on, um, you know, time restricted eating or people that, cause I'm sure you get people that are like, well, I'm, I'm starting at noon because I'm intermittent fasting and then I'm going to have all my calories later in the day. So what are your thoughts there? Well, okay. <laughs> so, uh, let's put it this way in the clients that I've seen who we've tested their metabolic rate, who are doing intermittent fasting, they have a low metabolic rate because I, I think what happens is in that eight hour window or whatever it is, they're just not getting in enough calories. And again, it goes back to what we were saying of that really long 16 hour time period of not eating yeah. metabolism starts to dwindle. There's also research to show that people who are intermittent fasting are actually burning more lean mass than they are fat. Um, there's been a lot of evidence to show that there's no difference in doing intermittent fasting than a, just a regular calorie deficit in terms of overall weight loss, but that intermittent fasting causes more lean mass breakdown because of, again, that long period of time that you're not eating, it impacts metabolism and starts impacting lean mass. As well. well, and just not eating enough. And that's why like even anyone, cause I'm definitely a proponent in terms of the research of like giving your body like a, you know, a 12 hour break. Right. Or even if like, let's say you're done dinner by seven 30 at night, no problem having you eat breakfast at nine 30 the next day, like a 12 to 14 hour break, as long as you're not waking up hungry. Cause that's another part of it too. If you're waking up hungry, eat something just like how, when you're hungry, you should eat something <laughs> at all times. Um, but yeah, it's when you start creeping into you're either hungry and you're avoiding eating because you're trying to be on this intermittent fasting schedule, or then in that window, it's just harder when you have a smaller window to eat. It's harder to get one, the amount of calories you need, but two, spacing it out because you also don't want to just dump your body because your body can only take in a certain amount of protein at one time, right? It can only take in a certain amount of fats and carbs and process it all. And I mean, that can also wreak havoc on your gut and just make you not feel good as well, which we're all about feeling good here. Um, so yeah, no, I am, I am with you on that. And I'm curious to, what do you see in your practice when that metabolism slowdown happens? What are you seeing at like people's lean body mass and what's, what's going on behind the scenes? Cause I know all your guys testing can really help show you. Yeah. So usually when your body starts bringing down that metabolic rate, it means that it's compensating in one way or another. So the other ways that it's going to compensate is it starts also chipping into your lean mass and your muscle as a source of fuel. Now to clarify, that doesn't mean that your body is not using fat. Some people misinterpret that. It just is also using too much of your lean mass and muscle. So then what we see on our body composition, which actually tells us how much lean mass is mu and muscle is on your body, we see that start to dwindle. So we start to see that your lean mass is dropping at a pretty quick rate, meaning effectively you're losing this essential lean mass and muscle that's helpful for longevity and immunity and of course strength because of not eating enough and that metabolic rate dropping. Now, some things we see not with the numbers are, of course, like the cravings, like I mentioned. And another one is actually bloating. Part of the reason 
is because when you're not taking in enough, your gut's going to respond. There's lots of research to show that when you're not eating enough, your gut slows down. We start to see what's called gastroparesis, which is slow gut movement. So then when you do eat, you experience bloating. <laughs> so that's a huge one. Um, sometimes low energy people experience. Other times people notice poor sleep because their body's waking them up because they're hungry overnight. There's a slew of things, but those I would say are the biggest. Are there other, besides we talked about protein being an important macronutrient for your metabolism. Um, but do you see other macronutrients, whether people are coming in like at too low of carbohydrates, um, or fats or how is that affecting their metabolism? Yeah, definitely. When people aren't eating enough carbs and fat, I've seen metabolic rate drop specifically, actually, when people aren't eating enough carbs, we see lean mass and muscle drop. Um, and so that's going to translate to a lower metabolic rate. Cause when you're muscle is dropping. So is your metabolism usually. So in general, yeah, a low of any of them is going to be a problem. Eat carbs, people. <laughs> yeah. And eat them and eat your protein, fats, and carbs together, Yes, right? Like eat them all together. So you're preventing, you know, any blood sugar spikes or also too, like our body just does better when you have your, all your macronutrients in one place, but you are not counting your macros. Let's be clear about that. Um, I want to, Elena, like, I mean, we could go on and on about metabolism, but I wanted to just dive into, because I know you work with a lot of people, whether they have eating disorders or also just like for weight loss too. Um, and you put out such great content. I mean, at the end, we'll talk about it, but guys, you have to go to Elena's Instagram or TikTok. It's just <laughs> absurd and amazing. Um, what are some common misconceptions about losing weight that you see the most, whether it's in your practice or even just right, like in your community? Oh man. I, I know there's a lot of them. Oh, we'll just go. We're going to go through all. <laughs> so of course that you can't eat certain foods, that the only way to lose weight is you have to cut out carbs or you have to cut out this or whatever. There's always this idea that that's the only way to lose weight. Um, I also get a lot of people thinking that weight loss is fast. It's slow true sustainable sustainable is key there weight loss is really really slow i mean i can't even express how slow i've seen so slow where i've seen people only lose 10 pounds in 8 months slow <laughs> and that's not a bad thing it's just yeah. we have to reshape what we think about it because of course the media tells you like oh yeah you could lose 2 pounds a week which realistically is not sustainable for most people yeah so that weight loss is fast, that you have to cut out particular foods, that you have to obsess, like you said, over macros, that you have to be counting macros and that you have to log every morsel of food that you eat in order to lose weight. Um, also, sometimes that you have to be doing really intense exercise to lose weight. And the only way to do so is if you're doing like a HIIT workout seven days a week or stuff like that. Which is <laughs> probably going to make you gain weight, actually. Pumping <laughs> yeah. up that cortisol. Yeah. Um, I would say those are the big ones. If I had to try to summarize it the best I can, those are the big ones that are misconceptions. Yeah. I want to, I want to talk more about people's weight loss journey and how we we're just talking about for sustainable weight loss, you actually want it to be slow. But something I see often too, is people have been doing, 
you know, not the healthiest things for their bodies for years. And then they think it's just going to happen right away. They just think all the weight's going to come off right away after, you know, eating well for let's say even just even a month, right? Maybe two months. If you do lose that weight really quickly, it's actually red flag. I actually, it's so funny. Lynn. I recently had a client and similarly what happened, she actually, she had a pretty good diet beforehand. Just a few things needed to be tweaked. And she messaged me and she's like, oh my gosh, I, I usually, we don't even talk about the scale, but I always tell clients, I'm like, if you want to hop on the scale, that's great for you. If it's part of your goal, but like, I won't be keeping track. And she messaged me and she's like, oh my gosh, like I feel amazing. And I've already seen 10 pounds gone and it had only been like about a month. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I hope your scale's wrong. Um, like that's, what's going through my head versus she's probably thinking I'm going to be like psyched which, you know, still support supported her, but also knowing too, that like a lot that comes with your weight is also fluid, like plus or minus five pounds every single day can be part of fluid. Um, so luckily we are looking at things. I think it started to level out, but it's funny that most people would be like psyched for that, but it's actually a huge red flag to me if it's that quick. And so I think everyone just has to have realistic expectations and, I think it's, again, it's changing your mindset from what your goal is too. like just wanting to be healthy and lead a healthier lifestyle versus and make lifelong changes versus the quick fix, which let's talk a little bit about what that actually does to your metabolism. And so let's say you go on a calorie restrictive diet and you lose a bunch of weight really quick. Let's talk about what that actually does to your metabolism and then how it makes it harder to kind of ever not, I don't want to say ever lose weight again, but how it makes it more challenging than later in your life when you maybe are ready for the lifelong change, why it makes it more difficult. Yeah. So when you do a really fast weight loss or really restrictive something like you mentioned, your metabolism is going to drop and it's probably going to drop really quickly. And so what you'll probably experience externally is you're probably going to see weight come off really quick, right? And you're going to be super encouraged, right? You're like, this is working, this is working, whatever. And then all of a sudden, seemingly overnight, it's going to plateau. Yeah. And you wouldn't have changed anything. The reason that is, is because now your metabolic rate has dropped and you're effectively not eating lower than that. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> so you see, and then what people end up doing is they, of course, end up beating themselves up. And they're like, well, I guess I just have to do it harder. I have to do this or whatever. So they keep eating less and less or you know whatever their response was and metabolism starts dropping lower and lower and lower. And then we get to a place where I've had clients and I share this on my social media all the time who their metabolic rate has dropped down to like 800 calories a day when it should be, let's say 1700. I mean, huge drops. So then to answer your question about then what, well, unfortunately we have to go back to eating more. It may actually translate to weight regain mm -hmm. because now we have to heal your metabolism and then basically start over. And it's at a slow rate. Correct. So that's like when people, that's like when, 
you know, people gain the weight back with vengeance. We hear it all the time, right? Like they, it's like they lose the weight, they hit the plateau and then it all comes back and it comes back really quick. Well, that it's because your body is just trying to keep you alive. Your body has no idea that you're trying to lose weight and is completely in line with your goal because it doesn't want that. So then all it's going to do is slow down your metabolism to try and conserve those calories because you're not eating enough. And then unfortunately, when you gain it back with vengeance, um, one, it's not right. It's nobody's happy about that, but two, and I'm curious to see what you guys have found in your testing. But then I found, and this is like with a lot of yo-yo dieters, it's so hard for them later in life, especially to if you're also getting older, because naturally your metabolism decreases as you get older, how hard is it to get that metabolism up and running again? It can take time. Like you said, it's really slow. I mean, using that example of someone who, let's say it dropped to 800 and had to get all the way back up, it could take a year for that. And you're you're possibly gaining weight through that too. Mm -hmm. So it's going against your goal too, which is also discouraging and makes you think it's not working. Yeah, exactly. So how do you, how do you handle that, Elena? If you have to get someone's metabolism back up and they are maybe gaining weight, how do you talk them through it to continue? And then do well, they see like a light at the end of the tunnel? Like in the end, when it's finally back up, does everything start to fall into place again? Usually, yes. We talk a little bit about actually what you mentioned about how what happened was basically your body's biological safeguards kicked in when you (laughs) lost that weight really quickly. So we have to allow your body to heal and get to a place where it feels safe again. But also what it's going to do is like, well, it's a little hard to explain, but basically in that process of them gaining the weight, it's a reminder that yes, this kind of sucks right now, but down the road, what we're trying to do is get it so that your body feels safe. And then maybe later what we'll see is that you lose weight, but it's a lot slower and it's actually sustainable because we've healed that metabolic rate. So sometimes how I explain it to clients is I know it feels like we're taking the really, really long windy road around to your goal, but we have to sort of hang in there. And during that process of people gaining weight, a lot of the conversation is just like, hang in there. We know that fad diets don't work. We don't want to be in the same place that we were, I don't know, four months ago or whatever it was. Just hang in there. And it's challenging. I mean, sometimes there's not a good answer. It's just, that's why we do stuff like this to try to get people to not start that diet in the first place. (laughs) Oh, complete. Well, that's what, and I'm curious, out of the fad diets that are popular right now, are there any that you feel like are really disguised and are really tricking people into thinking it's the lifelong change? I I mean, I I know you have thoughts on this, but um, I just want to hear your answers. (laughs) I mean, all of them, but I mean, keto for sure. People are saying that you can do keto forever. Um, Definitely. Maybe some people wouldn't classify these as a fad, but I would, but Weight Watchers rebranding Mm -hmm. as WW. Noom. Um, and that's what Noom, I feel like, is one, Elena, that people think is safe. They really do. With how they market it. I feel like Weight Watchers, they, they've been around for so long that maybe people are on to them. Um, 
but I'm curious your thoughts on Noom. Noom is restrictive. It's basically doing the same thing that Weight Watchers is. They're just presenting it in a different format and going under the guise of they're doing it from like a therapeutic approach when really a lot of people, and I actually downloaded it just to see what it would tell me. And it put me on 1200 calories. And I didn't even put that I wanted to lose weight. I specifically answered the little questions they asked me saying that like, I just wanted to get healthier. Um, So to be abundantly clear, I was not answering like, I want to lose weight and lose weight fast. And it still put me on 1200 calories. Which would have slowed down your metabolic rate. Oh, absolutely. And of course people are like, oh, well, you know, you can change that. But what you have to understand is with these programs, people aren't going to change it on their own. No, they don't know to. They don't know to. And they think that they have to follow this program perfectly. So if this program is telling them something, they're not going to have, like you said, they're not going to know, nor are they going to have the confidence to be like, oh, well, I know better. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Well, yeah, they're they're paying for their guidance. Exactly. (laughs) And And that's where, like, are there other red flags besides, you know, joining a program or even my fitness pal or something. And it's telling you, you should be eating 1200 calories or less. Are there other red flags that people should look out for when joining a weight loss app or a weight loss program? Yeah. If they're selling you their foods, you know, like if mm. they have yeah. a, whatever, you know, how Weight Watchers like Nutrisystem or yeah. <laughs> Those are usually a huge red flag because that tends to make you dependent on their system. Similarly, um, some of those ones that are like, yeah, it includes this smoothie, which I know is kind of their like product too, Mm -hmm. but the ones that incorporate smoothies in that sense. Um, Why and why I'm curious, Lena, why the smoothie aspect? Well, because a lot of times it's the ones that are like, you're going to replace this snack with a smoothie. That's or a not, meal. Or a meal, <laughs> right. That's not teaching you how to eat. Yep. The best part about seeing a dietitian or not doing one of these programs, right, is it teaches you actually how to fuel your body on your own. These programs make you dependent on them because they're a business. They want you to be dependent mm-hmm. on them. It's so funny. Um I feel like I often say if I'm talking to, um, you know, family and friends or potential clients and I'm like, listen, my goal is by the end of typically it's three months, by the end of the three months we work together, you don't need me. I mean, honestly, by the end of two months, you don't even need me. And the third month, we're just like attacking other things that can be going on in your wellness journey. And people are like, well, that's, that's a really crappy business model. (laughs) And I'm like, well, you can look at it that way. I mean, people will come back for the accountability and I see it a lot, but that's our job. And I saw Lena, you recently posted about it too, but like, I will never, I mean, you know what? And I'm not saying I never have, but I will not write a meal plan for anyone. You can ask me all you want. You can beg for one. I will not. And the reason being is like you just said, it doesn't teach someone how like, you're not going to have a lifelong change when you're following a meal plan for a couple months, because once that meal plan's gone, you're going to feel like you have no idea what to do, or you're going to feel self-reliant on 
those four options you had for breakfast, which then is disordered eating, right? Like there's eating disorder diagnosis, but then there's also disordered eating, which most of us have, to be honest, in some form. But I was so happy when you shared too, like as dietitians, we don't write meal plans, you know, and some do, I, that's not to say some don't, but, um, it, our, our, you know, our goal overall, you know, what we were taught too, is to teach people how to eat. Yeah. And it's exactly what you said. I tell most of my clients, if not all of them, if I'm doing my job right, I'm going to basically fire you. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I'm going to tell you to stop coming back because you can do this on your own now. Yeah, no, I love that. That's, that's better. (laughs) That's way better. I may have to steal that. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on because you were talking about it recently and I thought it was so eye-opening for a lot of people and just helpful and to let people know it's okay. But let's talk about normal weight gain, especially as we get older. So what does that look like and what should we be prepared for and also not be prepared for like having our high school body the rest of our life? Yeah. So what I talked about specifically was um, particularly female adolescent growth And, uh, basically what it was is that we all know that you're supposed to gain a certain amount of weight every year throughout adolescence. And by adolescence, I mean, usually up to like 16, 18, whatever. And that's kind of considered normal, right? I mean, it's tracked on growth charts. Your pediatrician is like, oh yeah, she's growing great. She's doing this, this, and this. But then no one talks about it after the age of 18, when really it's still appropriate to gain weight in your 20s. And people attribute that to being in college and drinking a lot and Which is definitely a factor. I mean, for sure. (laughs) But even removing that, you're going to gain weight in your 20s because actually, most women until about age 26 or so, their bone density is increasing. There's research to show that your brain is still developing until that age. And it's just normal maturation, right? And so, what happens is a lot of people gain this weight, maybe in college or maybe even after college panic and think, oh my gosh, I must be doing something wrong. Or maybe it was the drinking or whatever. And then what happens is they of course start dieting, effectively making that weight gain worse. Yep. And for a long period of time. (laughs) Right. And then they find themselves on this kind of, we'll call it an adulthood battle of Mm -hmm. dieting. Whereas if they had just kind of let their body naturally gain this little bit of weight and kind of naturally get to a new, let's call it set point in their 20s, their body probably would have stayed at that, yeah, higher weight than high school. But that's normal. You're not 15. That's normal. And for, (laughs) yeah, and for women too, if you're preparing, if you're choosing to have a baby, your body's also preparing for that. And if you don't have enough fat on your body or weight, a lot of the times that can be part of an infertility issue as well. So it's, it's, it's working for you, but you got to work with it. Um, that's actually, I'm glad we just talked about that too, because I was thinking when people like people come to me and they're like, Oh, you know, I think I'm okay right now, but I'll probably reach out like in my (laughs) forties. And I'm like, no, the time I actually want to see people is like mid twenties, late twenties, early thirties, because 
once you start any type of restriction, it doesn't even have to be that you're on a specific diet, but you just start restricting, you start messing with your metabolism or potentially start messing with your metabolism is what I should say. And you want to get ahead of that. Or even just like, I always tell people, it's like, you want to get your metabolism working so well and that fire to be burning so well each day. And if you can master that in your late twenties, you're going to be, you're going to be set and be able to maintain your weight so much longer, especially with, like we talked about, once you hit 40, your metabolism slows about five, sometimes more percentage each decade. So you have all these other factors coming at you. We also start to lose lean body mass, which Elena talked about earlier. The more muscle you have on your body, the faster your metabolism is working, the more fat you're actually burning. So there's a lot of factors going against us. And that's why you just, you want to get ahead of it. So it's not something that you're trying to fix later, which yes, definitely try to fix it. Don't just completely you know, leave it, go to the wayside, but you want to try and get ahead of it. And then the best thing too, is you're learning how to eat well for your body for overall health, which is our actual goal. You know, like I know a lot of people listening, it's why we're talking about weight loss because that is some people's goal, but we're talking about it in the sense too, for your overall health and just to have you feel good because that's a big part of your mental health as well as feeling good in your body. And for some people too, even it's, you know, being able to play with their kids at an older age or not, um, constantly be going to the doctor because they're having issues. So it's, it's just so important to get ahead of things. I totally agree. And If you don't and you choose to go the diet route, what I often tell some of my clients, to be brutally honest, is then every decade you're going to find your weight 10 to 15 pounds heavier. Yeah. And then you're going to be in in your 50s and you're going to be like, I'm the highest weight I've ever been because you didn't get ahead of it. (laughs) And then you're, and, and unfortunately, then that really brings out that restriction. Yeah. That, and, and I'm like, I don't know about anyone listening, but, when I get to be at an older age, like I want to be, I don't want to be restricting anything, you know? I mean, I, in general, I don't want to be restricting anything, but especially, you know, by the time you're retired, it's like, no, zero restriction here, right? Like you want to be doing all the things you want to do. And that also can look like not even just food restriction, but like limitations physically because your body's not in a healthy place. Um, I'm curious, Lena, do you see any, and like we talked about macronutrients and metabolism when people say like there are specific foods or just like eating healthier, how does that factor into your metabolism or like eating, um, foods that are more nutrient dense? Mm, I mean, see a difference. Not really. I was going to say, as long as you're still getting in enough total calories, mm-hmm. I just think obviously we want to eat more nutrient dense foods for a lot yep. of other benefits, but no, there's not really a difference as long as it's still enough. One concern is that some people eating more nutrient dense foods, right? A lot of times that tends to be veggies. That's a large volume yeah. and you're really full from pretty quickly from a large volume of veggies. So just calorie wise, they don't get in enough. And that's where it's important coming back to like macronutrients, adding fat to those things, 
so that you're still getting the calories in. But yeah, not a huge difference, honestly. Have you seen when we were talking about keto earlier, have you had anyone come in that was on keto that you ran their metabolic tests? Yes. <laughs> you're smiling. I know you're smiling over there. So I'm like, oh, she definitely has an answer for this. So what I'm curious what you saw. Uh, it was low. Multiple people. It's been very low. Um, I would say. Do you think that's due to the lack of carbohydrates or what do you think it's? Yeah, I think it's due to the lack of carbohydrates and, you know, so muscle is the most metabolically active system yep. in the body. And so when you're not eating enough carbs, oftentimes what I saw, like I mentioned earlier, is that that lean mass drops. And so I think it's that, I think that they were effectively losing muscle, not eating enough carbs. And then, so their metabolism dropped as well. Um, and then unfortunately I've seen a lot of people on the flip side who did keto started eating carbs again and gained back weight with a vengeance, like you put it. <laughs> because because their metabolism slowed down during yeah. it. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, well, I'm curious, Lena, with everything you know, you've learned over the years, but also just like with your lifestyle, do you have certain just like daily wellness, and it doesn't have to be food related. Um non-negotiables that you try to do each day? I do. So, well, one is breakfast. I can't survive without breakfast. (laughs) I'm right there with you. To be honest, I used to be a really bad breakfast eater. Um, you might even remember from college, I used to like never eat breakfast. Uh, and I don't know how I did it, but now that's a non-negotiable. I eat breakfast. I also actually do always try to have a vegetable somewhere. Sometimes that doesn't happen. I'm not perfect, but I do try to have a vegetable somewhere. Some days are better than others. And then movement, even if it's like a 10 minute walk around the block, because that's all I have time for. I just try to do some sort of movement. And I really try to not beat myself up if I don't get an actual workout in. Again, even if I'm just like walking up the street real quick, just doing something. But I would say those three. Well, yeah. And we need, we need those rest days. Yeah. Like I always tell people, like, I want you to build in two to three rest days and a rest day could include like gentle yoga or like, I would want it to include like a 10 minute walk or just like moving, but more so for your mental state, honestly, and also for like a stretching aspect or foam rolling, but we need those rest days. Right. Cause like we're, you know, whether it's your metabolism, we're talking about, you don't want to have, again, we're working towards eating enough calories, but if you go into overdrive with exercising, like we are talking about that brings that up and people usually aren't then eating more on those days. And that's why two people, you're probably more hungry on the days that you have a more intense workout. And what that means is you're not more excited that you probably burned more calories in your workout. It's that you actually need to eat more. And that can just be adding in like an extra small little snack. It doesn't have to be like something crazy, but you need to listen when your body is asking for food. Yeah. You're not thirsty. You're just actually hungry. And you need to eat. <laughs> I know the only times I'm like, maybe that's true is when I'm like literally only craving juicy things. <laughs> I'm exactly. like, okay, how about I pair some water with that? But yeah, no, you have to listen when your body is asking for food. Um, Okay. So we like to end every episode, Elena, with a little rapid fire Q and a, there are three quick questions. So just first things that come to mind, but 
first one is what is your favorite de-stressing practice or tool? Going on a walk with my dog and listening to a podcast. And usually to be honest, it's a true crime podcast. I was just going to ask any favorite podcast. Well, no, I love that because like, yeah, you need to like get out of your own like you need to get out of like the nutrition world for a second too, especially if it's during the work day. I know, but people laugh at me because they're like true crime de-stresses you. I'm like, actually, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it's probably just like getting you out of your own head. You know, it's like yeah. l- looking at someone else's problems. <laughs> um, okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee. And how do you take it? What do you put in it? I drink iced coffee all year round. Um, even in the winter and I live in Vermont, so it gets really cold. <laughs> and honestly, it's just black with a splash of half and half, not milk, specifically half and half. <laughs> yeah. Um, a little creaminess. Yeah. Um, okay. Favorite home cooked meal. That's tough, but we have a recipe that I use in my house all of the time. It's this um, like Parmesan basil chicken soup and it's got a ton Ooh. of veggies in there. It's got chicken got some noodles and it's, it's not like creamy, creamy, but it's just a little bit creamy. We eat that like, I make a huge batch and I'll eat it like every day in the winter. <laughs> I love that. And I love just having a soup on hand yeah, because it's so easy and you can get, yeah, you can make so much and I'm sure, I'm sure we'll bring it to work. Right. I'm oh, yeah. like in the hospital. That's probably the most comforting thing. <laughs> And I actually, sometimes, especially if I'm feeling inspired, will make my own bread with it. And that's just like, Oh, geez, Elena, making your own bread over there. Who are you? I'm a Vermonter. I don't even know. I don't even know you anymore. (laughs) Um, oh my gosh. Well, let's tell everyone where they can find you, where they can watch all your videos on social (laughs) media, because they are amazing. Um, and then a little bit about the clinic you work with too. Yeah. So socials, Instagram is my name, which is Elena Eford. Same thing um, with TikTok is Elena Eford. But we actually also have a YouTube channel, which is under my clinic's name, which is The Calm Clinic. And Calm is like K-A-H-M as in Mary. So The Calm Clinic for YouTube, just my name, Elena Eford for Instagram and TikTok. And yeah, my clinic's name is The Calm Clinic. We have a couple of different locations. There's here in Vermont, there's one in Connecticut, there's one in Arizona, and there's one in Massachusetts. And we all do the same thing where we use this metabolic testing and body composition to really help figure out your specific needs. So even though we don't write meal plans, (laughs) we are going to figure out what your body needs and help as Kate and I have been saying this whole time, educate you on how to best fuel your body and then simply use those two machines as tools to better navigate what your body needs. And all of the dietitians that work for the Calm Clinic have a very similar philosophy to me. And that's that. And that is so much better than a meal plan. Getting your (laughs) metabolism tested versus a meal plan. Get your metabolism tested. Um, well, thanks so much, Lane. I mean, it's so fun just getting to chat and see your face again. Um, I'm sure we will talk more after we end this recording for all the un- inappropriateness that will probably go on. Um, but I'm just so happy that we were able to kind of debunk some of these myths surrounding metabolism and weight loss. And thanks so much for coming on. Yeah. Thank you. This has been fun. 
Based on our discussion about the signs and symptoms of a fast working metabolism or a metabolism that may need some extra help, I want you to take note of your own metabolism this week and see if you can identify with any of the signs we discussed and make changes to support your metabolism if needed, which I think we can all use a little support when it comes to our metabolism. And the good thing is it usually includes eating more food. Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals. And remember, you can watch every episode of the podcast on our Naturally Well YouTube channel. If you want to know more about me, you can follow me on Instagram at livewellwithkate, where I typically live on my stories, providing a variety of daily health and wellness tips. Naturally Well is hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Steven. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.